This is the Ambassador Elliot, a.k.a. Stacey Elliott. What's up, y'all? This is the Master G of the Sugar Hill Gang. We just did an interview with the real live street stars. Go there, get on it, get it happening, get it popping, get it moving. Follow all the things that people do these days, because I'm doing it too. <laughs> Peace, y'all. Real life street stars. Hold on. We need an extended clap. We need an extended clap. Listen, it's the M A S, the T E R, the G to the double E. What's up? What's up? Man, we got Master G in the building, and we also have the ambassador in the building as well. Uh, I want to say New York's finest. Uh, <laughs> With uh, New, uh, New, York yeah, New York metropolitan area, because right. Jersey, Jersey's all in the blood. Yeah, Let's just say Hackensack. Let's say Hackensack. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got a legendary uh, situation going on right now, and the way we want to set this thing up is we have reached the 50th anniversary of this thing we call hip hop. Yep. And from the great words of Wonder Mike, he said, we brought hip hop to the world. Is it true? Speaking of the Sugar Hill Gang. That's very right. true. We have one third of the Sugar Hill Gang. We're gonna go all the way through there, man. Uh, Rappers Delight, Apache. We're gonna go all the way through there. It, 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 it's, it's a blessing to have you on this couch. It's a blessing for you to give us your time. And um, we definitely want to purchase, you know, again, honor you for even being here. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. I, I got it. Man. Okay. I got it. I got it. Because I watched the unsung. And, oh. And okay. I was blown away. Okay. And I was blown away by it. But I just got to know, right, uh, prior to you ever doing, because y'all were the first rappers, quote unquote. So pr prior to that, how did, was that something y'all just thought up? Was it something already going around and y'all just brought it to the forefront? Like, how did that happen? The way that it happened. Being in that, that Hackensack, Englewood, Teaneck area, that's directly across the bridge from New York. So New York was doing the rap thing, and I overheard somebody uh, that was older than me rap, and I was DJing. And so I started DJing in Hackensack, New Jersey. So we had our own, now you call it a hip-hop scene, but yeah. it, was, it was just me DJing parties to make extra money. And I heard somebody rap and I asked them what they were doing. And they said, man, that's rapping. That's what they're doing in New York. So in order to get more parties, you know, I figured you know, that that's what I should do. I should rap too. And I heard it as rhymes. Right. And I heard it as poetry. And I'm a drummer by nature. I started playing drums when I was seven years old. So I heard the words as beats. So I just put the rhythm to the words and then, you know, the poetry. And I started rapping. So who was that, that that gentleman that you said that was rap that inspired you to start writing? His name is Mark Green. He's still a friend to this day. That's he had a he had a DJ group that he had a little DJ thing that he did. He was an upperclassman, so he did more a little bit more parties than I did. So I was trying to get parties too, you know. Yeah. So if it wasn't for Mark Green, shout out to Mark Green. He's still around. He works. Uh, he has a company called Celebrity Booking. He's involved with all kind of other things. He's been promotion for major Sony. He ended up being like a behind the scenes guy, but. I'm right. I'm sitting here talking to you today because of Mark. Because of Mark Green. Yeah. God. <laughs> Hip hop would probably wouldn't be here, right? <laughs> because of Mark Green. <laughs> Keep it real. Are you a better rapper than Mark Green? Oh, totally. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you were probably the best. <laughs> the best rapper. Come on. <laughs> the best rapper. Come on, Come on. Do you remember your first rap? 
No. Okay, okay, okay. I can't, okay. I, I, can't I won't do that. No. How, how long did it take you to actually get to the point where you felt like, oh, I'm, yeah, I got something? Uh, after I first started rapping, I could kind of tell. Because being a DJ, I was a DJ first. So when you're a DJ, you look for the signs. You know, uh, the crowd moving, crowd dancing, and that's what happened. So was, the first it that, time. was it that one girl who looked at you and said, ooh? <laughs> oh, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So you have uh, the ambassador, Mr. Stacey Ella here as well. Um, yeah. And y'all are connected. Yes. By something very interesting. Yes. Uh, Stacey, you want, you want to speak on as far as your, your connection while you're here as well? Yeah, it, it's very interesting. It's pretty deep. Um, Master G, Guy O'Brien, a.k.a. Guy O'Brien, right. used to work in a neighborhood store in my hood mm. called Sam's, or some called it Crysdale's. And uh, Mr. Sam was a beautiful Jewish man who just had a business in our neighborhood and showed the neighborhood love. And growing up in my neighborhood, everybody wanted a job. Your first job, work at Sam's. Mm. And so in those days, you know, at seven years old, eight years old, it wasn't uncommon. Your mom would write a list, give you some money and roll up the list, the money in the list and send your, her seven, their seven-year-old son or daughter to the store. And so my mother would do that and I would go to Sam's and- We talking numbers? What are we talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> was that? Grocery okay, okay. Grocery list. Just making sure, just making sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Grocery list. Even though that was common too. <laughs> just wasn't in Sam's. That's what right. Sam's. That was down the street. And so I would um, go in the store and uh, uh, Master G guy, he, he would be in the store and uh, I was like seven years old, eight years old. And um, he used to tease me. I had an earring in my ear at a very young age. I was cool back then. And he would call me the earring kid. Damn. And so. That was nicknaming people. Back yeah, yeah. He, he, he still got a heck of a, a hell of a uh, sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so that's how I first met him. But at the same, during that time, I met his little brother, Leo O'Brien. Man. You know. Yeah. And for those that don't know Leo Bryant, which is Guy Bryant's younger brother, man, uh, y'all all remember that song, uh, He Got That Glow. <laughs> uh -uh. Man, The Last Dragon. Yes. He played uh, Richie. 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 Character Richie. Richie. Leo, Leo, uh, yeah. Leroy's younger brother. Bruce Leroy's younger brother. Who was ready to fight show enough like a monthly. Oh, he was ready to fight somebody. Yes. But it's crazy because when I look back, y'all are so... Uh, Y'all look just alike. Oh yeah, yeah. We you know got the same mother. Yes, <laughs> and um, you know, and God no. bless the dead, and uh, definitely uh, you know, yeah, it's fast now, yeah. But yeah, it's always very yeah. still lived. So yeah. you were you were in grade school. I was in grade school with his little brother and little sister. Yeah. Actually, yeah, she's a few years older than me. Yeah. Um, and so we went to Maple Hill in Hackensack, New Jersey, and so um, but back to Master G, I remember, you know. They had blew up the Sugar Hill Gang, mm. and um, I came in the store and I asked Sam, you know, I'm looking for this this dude that used to mess with me all the time, the earring kid. He's like, oh no, guy, he gone, you know. He's out of there. And um, but he had left a, a post on the wall, Sugar Hill Gang, and um, he had autographed pictures and all of that. 
And that poster stayed up there for years, yeah. for so long, it yeah. faded. Yeah. Sun, you know, the sun hits it. And, yeah. I mean, it was still, but they kept it up there. They kept yeah. it up there for years. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's do it like this. The Sugar Hill Gang. And yes. that name itself. Yes. That, did that come from Sugar Hill? Sugar Hill Holland. And so Sylvia was from the Sugar Hill District. That was like a really uh, 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 close thing to her. She was really loved Sugar Hill D- District. And she wanted to give us a name that had like a regalness to it, a regal sound to it. So she called us the Sugar Hill Gang. Were you the only one who had your name, name figured out? Oh, yeah. Hated you hated it? I hate it. Like, what was wrong? What? Sugar Hill Gang. I don't know. I didn't want to go home and tell my mother I was going to be part of the gang. <laughs> oh, the gang part right, you hated. Yeah. And I didn't know I didn't know about Sugar Hill at the time. Oh, OK. OK. I, I knew about Harlem because, again, growing up in New, Metro, New York metropolitan area, I had been through Harlem a thousand times. But I didn't even know there was such thing as a Sugar Hill district. I didn't find out till later what she was talking Sugar about. Sugar Hill Records was located in Englewood. In Englewood. New Jersey. Yes. So people would come from New York. New York. Right. Harlem and everywhere to go record in, in Jersey. In, yes. So you guys were probably very important in bridging the gap uh, in hip hop oh, yeah. between Jersey and. Yeah. I mean, at that point, if you wanted to record, the place to record was Sugar Hill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, yeah. came, you came through. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that because um, one thing that stood out in the documentary was mm-hmm. that it was a black owned independent record yeah. label. Yeah. Looking back at that now, do you feel like, man, we dropped the ball to actually be able to take the forefront in this whole thing? Like- well, unfortunately, the people, they had vision, but they weren't visionary. You know, uh, they had a vision to say, you know, this thing needed to be on a record and they had the, 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 the uh, apparatus to make it happen. But they did. They weren't visionary enough to understand that they could have been the Motown of hip hop. Right. And so they unfortunately didn't do the best business. And that's what caused it to come to Spain. Right. And, and the thing that stood out to me was like a lot of times we as black people, we always blame the white man for exactly. everything. But in this scenario, it yeah, was actually us screwing our own people over. Yeah, so like I said, that's what I mean by not. Yeah. But, that, but that's what I mean by them not being visionaries. They right. just had a vision. Yeah. So with that, um, I, I wanted to know, like, what was the contract? Or was there a contract? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, but it's, it's it, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not like that. <laughs> Old news. So rap, rappers delight. Was that the first song recorded uh, by the Sugar Hill Gang? Yes, we wow. never, we had wow. never. That was the first thing we ever cut as the Sugar wow. Hill Gang. We, it wasn't, you know, we did a couple of records. So da, 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 no. <laughs> so all right, let's break we, this that down. Was the first time we were literally in the studio together. Wow. Me, uh, Mike Hank, and myself. Yeah. Why'd y'all go so long? <laughs> Good question. So you have to understand that we had never recorded before. I had been around the studio for years. My dad was a, a trumpet player and he also recorded jazz artists. So I was around the studio situation, but I had never been in the studio as an artist. <laughs> Mike had never really been in the studio. Hank was making pizzas uh, in the shop up the street. So <laughs> and what they did was they recorded the music. So when you go to the studio, you lay down a, a, a track. You just play the music. And they, and they just played, you know, whatever they thought they played until somebody told them to stop. So when we came in to record, that body of work was already there. Mm. So because we didn't know to stop and they didn't tell us to stop, we just kept on going. That's why when you hear the first three raps, we passed each one of us. When I finished, I passed it back to Mike. Oh, so y'all were literally passing it back, like, or just so, stepping so, in front of so, the mic. So in those days, it was called a mic pass. So 
So oh, okay. Tell Mike's me hype. one, right? Yeah. So my, one, uh, you know, one, two, three, four. Tell me one to Mike. What are you waiting for? That's to let Mike know. That's real. Mellow, it's on you. So what you're gonna do? That's to let right. me know. He's gonna stop. So what I'm you gonna, gonna do? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why it never stops because you don't want to leave a gap. Right. So you let the person know, like me and you are rocking. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna pass the mic. I'm getting ready to pass the mic to you. So Mike passed it to Hank. Hank passed it to me. I passed it back to Mike. The music's still playing. Now we're used to doing parties. So well, as far as we know, it's almost like a DJ is cutting the record. Right. So I passed it back. Uh, uh, I finished. Uh, I passed it back to Mike. Mike passed it to Hank. Hank passed it to me again. <laughs> so no, no one's saying stop. Yeah, no, yeah. nobody's saying stop. So once again, we're still thinking the same thing. And then the third time, same thing. I passed it to Mike. Mike passed it to Hank. Hank passed it to me. And the only reason why we stopped is because the music ran out. Hey, so hey, the music hey. would have been 30 minutes, we would have kept on going. Hey, y'all hey, 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 freestyling, right? I know, so some of it was freestyle, and like the, <laughs> the, my rap was actually written for the song, that introduction was written for the song, the M-A-S-T-E-R-U-E-E. Uh, I've told this story before, but... <laughs> <laughs> so during those days, there was no video. Right, right, right. Okay, and I was looking at my opportunity to shine, right? Uh-oh, okay. So I said, okay, I got to figure out a way to let everybody know who I am. So I spelt my name. Mm. Okay. Now, here comes the first lie. Uh-oh. <laughs> I said, my name is known all over the world by all the foxy ladies and the pretty girl. That was a lie. That was, I was in 11th grade in high school. My name wasn't known all over the world. <laughs> I was wishfully thinking. No, you were manifesting. <laughs> you were manifesting. Now, and the, I know it as manifestation now. Wait, so you started the first rap cap? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right. So are you, my brother. So, and then I had to make sure because Hank was 6'1 and 200 and something pounds. Mike right. was 6'5 and he was tall. I wanted people to know who I was. I got a little face and a pair of brown eyes. All I'm here to do, ladies and gentlemen. Now, again, I'm trying to get myself in the right situation. Yeah. <laughs> and so that rap was, I wrote that rap specifically for the beginning of the song. So, uh, another thing that they said is y'all sold 14 million copies of that. Yeah. It's, it's still not really, there's no actual record of how much how right. many records rappers like. But, how did, but just, just looking at that, for y'all to be the first rappers right. and kick it off, y'all sold, people right now don't even sell that type of, <laughs> that many copies. No. So like for you, no, it's like- a, It's the biggest selling 12 inch in the history of music. Yeah. Like how does that feel to, for y'all actually kicked it off? That was y'all's first song, you first in the studio. Like y'all really set the bar really high for y'all self even. Yeah. <laughs> So on the mind state, when, kick it off. when you drop a dope record like that, you know, what is the mind state like? Do y'all, is it, I want money, lady, like fame? What, what, at that point, what was you like? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a rapper so I can get this. Um, at that point, I mean, once I started realizing that we did have that opportunity, you want what it is that you see. Because we look at, see, the R&B person was our person to look at. Right. So like right. Jackson 5 or the Ohio Players or, you know, uh, um, Earth, Wind & Fire. We're looking at what they did. I, I, I right. did personally, you know, I was like, okay, I'm making a hit. I got a hit record. I'm touring uh, the people. Well, who, 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 what I want to do? I want to be like Earth, Wind & Fire. I right. be like the Jackson 5. I want to be like the Silvers. Right. But I, you I, end up I, selling more than them, right? Uh, <laughs> Y'all end up selling more than... Yeah, but they had the, you know, they right. were in the magazines. So, right. you know, and, and the Ebony, you know, Ebony was big. So, you know, they... They do a spread on Teddy Pendergrass, you know what I mean? Right. You see at a mansion, and still be in them. So that was, you know, we were aspiring to do that at that point. 
So that song is a sample of uh, Good Times. Not a sample. Or not a sample. No, I'm no. sorry, not a sample. It's no a re- singer sampling in it. A recreation? Yeah. It's a re-recording. Yeah. A re-recording. Yeah. So with it being a re-recording. Trepolation, yeah, trepolation. Yeah. Perfect. Did you know it was? I mean, were you like, when you heard the beat, like, all right, this is Good Times. We're going to freak this. Well, because when, she, when Sylvia had the, when she was offered the opportunity to do it, she talked to a DJ. And Good Times was the breakbeat of the summer, that particular summer. Plus, I was a DJ. So- even immediately when I heard the music, I knew what was going on because that's the record that we rocked through at the party. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. As far as you're a young kid coming up and he's gone, he's not, in the, he's not working at the, uh, you know, at the shop anymore. Yeah. yeah. This song is going and you say, he, you know, he's out of here. But for you, this song is kind of going worldwide. You're in the area of the, you're in the Mecca of where, you know, hip hop is born. How was this song, you know, as you were being a young man, how was it, Transpiring through the neighborhood. How? That's a good question. You know, <laughs> it, it almost makes me get emotional because the inspiration for a young boy growing up in the hood to see someone you could touch yeah. that you know now on American Bandstand, right. now on um, TV, you know, and and it, it 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 gave me inspiration and hope that if he could do it, if they could do it, I could do it. I could come out of that, yeah. the, the hood, the condition, and have a better here. life. There you go. I'm not stuck. Exactly. That's real. Now, uh, G, I, I want to yeah. ask you, because technically on Big Bank, mm. his verse yes. Yes. is the first... You know, right. knowledge of ghostwriting. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, you know, Drake gets a lot of <laughs> in the first sample clearance issues, like first capping. Y'all really, y'all really, y- y'all really like took all the hits. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's kind of wild. So when you found out, because I remember on the unsung, it said like you know he couldn't yeah. really, he couldn't really write nothing. No. But at the time of rappers alike, did you thought those were his? Yes. So during so when we first started auditioning for Miss Robinson, you know he was from the Bronx and he was over in Englewood. Right. So we immediately gave him the anointment that he was the legitimate article because he came from the Bronx and he was rapping. So every but the thing here's the thing: when he was in front of the pizza parlor rapping, he said he was the CAS and the OVA and the rest of that for a while. Then we went to Sylvia's house. He still kept saying an <laughs> OVA and everything. He got that good rap. And me, I'm sitting there going through my head trying to figure out raps, come up with raps, raps that I might have used. I didn't realize the only reason I kept saying the same exact rap is because he didn't have any rap. And then he recorded the same rap, the CAS and OVA, <laughs> and the rest is FLY. And then I didn't find out too much later on. Because see, again, I wasn't in the Bronx. I didn't running in the streets. I wasn't in that situation. I was a suburb kid. Right. So I didn't even know there was a person named Casanova Fly. I thought like he was saying, I'm the CAS and OB and the rest is FLY. I'm Casanova and I'm Fly. Right. That's what I thought. Right. I didn't know that that person existed. <laughs> <laughs> so, Until later. so when you find this out and you yes, just like- I was a, hot. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah, I was hot. We were already getting slammed 
from Ooh. being from Jersey. You know, that was already a problem. Right. It was pissed off because Bronx, of course, it came out of the Bronx. There's no question. I tell people that all the time. Right. I just told people that, I, you know, I just finished doing a concert. I tell people that the, the, the architects of hip hop come from the Bronx. I just got it from word of mouth. Right. So, you know, I never say that's not the case. Right. But we were getting slammed because in those days, New York and New Jersey was like two different worlds. So we weren't legitimately considered rappers because we were in Jersey, right. the suburb. So that was already going. So we had that going down. And then we come to find out Hank took the rhymes from Cass. Right. But, and, and let me just say this, because the other thing about that is this. You have to understand there was no template. Like, like, like today, right. you're not going to use somebody else's rhymes without saying, look, I need to write his credit. I want Paul thing. Right. Nobody knew that this was going to happen. So from what we understand, allegedly, Hank went to Cass and said, Cass, they want me. I'm going to do a record. Can I use your rhymes? He supposedly, Cass was like, sure, of course he did that. Because in those days, it was like, yeah, yeah whatever. And yeah. Then, you ain't get then you sell 14 million. It's like, ah. But, but then the record came out. It blew up. Right. And then that's where the controversy came because nobody expected it to right. sell millions of records and us be all over the place. And Cass was like, whoa. Right. So that. And, and the other part of it was uh, they said y'all were the first people to internationally tour. Also, totally. how, how was that? Like, how was that transition to go from America like to overseas? He's like, like the first person to land on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so as you were talking, you said you got you already had your passport. Yeah. At, so at my, 12. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I flew planes as a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you literally got behind the cockpit. Yeah, I used to fly planes as a kid. My father was a private pilot, and we had a plane, and we grew up with you. Oh, now you got the way you Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's another so he knew you was going to travel internationally. So he, he, once he saw what I was doing, after, like, the first concert, he came to the concert with the passport. He was like, you're going to need this. And he oh. handed it to me. So who put that together? Was that the, the label that put it together? The group? The Sugar Hill Gang put... That together to, for y'all to go international? Who? Oh, well, could, after we blew up, you know, then you have, you know, now the rest of the record business comes in the fold. Mm. So the, the, the booking agencies that book R&B groups, they're going with the hottest thing out. Got you. So Noby Walters, you had Noby Walters, William Morris, you had all these different agencies that are still going to these day, to this day. They say, okay, this hot thing is rapping. People are calling because promoters would call. Right. What Sugar Hill Gang? What Sugar Hill Gang? So they, okay, who's got Sugar Hill Gang? And that's what happened. So we actually started getting calls because the record had blown up in other countries. So we started getting requests to come out of the country. That's great. How much money would you forecast that y'all made during that whole time as far as touring and all this? I, I, <laughs> I'm just curious. They said, they said y'all were, you're projected to make upwards of 100 million if the business was correct. Yeah. Do you agree to that? I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> so I want your honest opinion as far as with Sylvia and Joe mm-hmm. Robinson on. They got the record and they made it hot. Of course, the contract was a contract, but how would you grade them as manager and record label? Well, first of all, contract. You can't do that, first of all. Yeah, yeah first of all. Right. It, it, but, 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 as far as development, as far as artistry, as far as, <clears throat> you know, business savvy and, and dealing with the powers that be, they were phenomenal at that. At that. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They, they knew what they were doing. They definitely, because they had already had a history, they had the chess catalog. They had, uh, they, uh, Sylvia produced uh, Love on a Two-Way Street with the Moments and Look at Me, I'm in Love. She had Pillow Talk. She had, so she already had the pedigree to do what she was doing. It's just that she had the vision, again, not the visionary, but she had the vision to transfer what she was doing in the R&B world to this thing that she heard in New York. And they operated independently. Totally. That's, wow. Yeah, she had, they had that, see, it was all platinum 
but they were doing doo-wop music. Right. So that's another reason why when she heard it at the at the club, she asked if it was had already been recorded. She already had the situation. So all she was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna find me some rappers right. and record it at my studio, right. as opposed to trying to figure it out. She already had the setup. So we all know when success happens, there's always people trying to duplicate it. How many fake Sugar Hill gangs did they try there to create? There was no fake Sugar Hill for a long time. That didn't happen until later. No, I mean, no, I mean like, were there any like people trying to recreate their own version of Sugar Hill gang throughout the whole- Like three guys? And yeah, three no, guys. No, and no. Wait, no, a better question is this, and it's for the ambassador. As, as, uh, as guy here is going up, how many people around now you are now trying to rap? That who wasn't rapping before are trying to create their own hip hop, the hip into the hop. How many people around you were trying to make music now based on seeing him go up? All of us were. <laughs> everybody know, rapping. Um, because, and he could speak better into this, but you know, the regular turntable that played records, um, you know, guys like Master G who pioneered that and we saw his success, their success. Now we want to be DJs and we want to be rappers. So we're taking, you know, my age group, we're taking our older sister or brother's turntables or our mom's turntables and we're, and we're putting them together and now we, we're getting a, a Gemini mixer. You know? Yeah, Gemini yeah. yeah. And, then, and then so we're practicing. And, you know, you got the DJ practicing and then you have the... um you have the DJ practicing, and then you have the rapper, and then you had the battles going on, mm. and then break dancing came in. Mm. And that's when me and his brother and Sylvia Robinson's son, I, we grew up with Scooch, Rondo Robinson, and Big Bub from today, all of us were real tight yeah. growing up. Now we want to be rappers, singers, <laughs> break dancers, and go to Europe like them. Yeah. No, for real. No, for real. So for you, right, yes. when you're going through all the success and you're seeing the success of the group, what was your mind state? Like, what was your next level? Because, you know, I'm sure, like you said, you didn't know out the gate we were going to do this successful. No, so really. now that you've reached this peak, what is your mindset now going forward? So I wanted to emulate the people that I saw. I wanted to do like, you know, Elvis Presley made movies. So I started trying to, you know, figure out how to do that. Um, so acting? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I did some commercials and I did some uh, television specials. So there's a commercial out there with you right now? There is, yeah. There's a group commercial out there. Remember Fabergé, group by, by Fabergé? Oh. There's a commercial with me and Joe Namath, as a matter of fact. Oh, <laughs> shout out Namath. Broadway Joe. One of the greatest. Broadway Joe. Yeah, yeah. So I started looking at the people that had come before me. So whatever, you know, the TV special, any of that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it was, you know, producing. I wanted to produce. I started trying to do different kinds of music. I, I was definitely looking at continue developing, yeah. you know, what I, yeah, I was on, yeah, I was always on something. Yeah. I tell people that, I'm always on something. I still to this day always. <laughs> <laughs> still trying to figure it out. Is that, is that one of those things, because I'm like this, if I, ma I hate mastering something. I always right. want it. I never want to be. It. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, that's, a, that's a good thing. Yeah. Because then you never get complacent. You never get, yeah. Right. You're cool with what you do, right. but you're never going to be satisfied with right. doing the same thing. Thanks. You got to keep it moving. So, Biggie Smalls once said, uh, you know, I never knew hip hop would make go it this far, far. would go right. this far. Neither did I. Do you feel like hip hop is dangerous today? Uh, it's dangerous if you don't understand it, if you don't allow yourself to take it in perspective. Mm. 
you know, it, it can get out of hand. And, that, and you see that. We've seen that. We've seen it get out of hand. But that's what happens when something becomes meteoric. You know, you go from a situation where there was three groups, Sugar Hill Gang, Grandmaster Flash, and the Furious Five, and Curtis Blow. Right. From right. that... To this, yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, no, that's from, from that <laughs> to like where everyone and anyone, yeah, like, is doing it, right? Yeah, and then you know you add in the, in the invent of the internet and YouTube and all these other yeah. different things. I mean, from the early '80s into the '90s, you could only go to a label and get you know your music right. done. Right. Then you go into the 2000s when the internet comes along. Now any kid that has a rap or can rap is now in his house, and you know. Is trying to make it in social media that changes right. the nature of the game. So when that comes into play, you have to be careful what you're doing with a situation like that. Again, and you blew in '79, and I'm curious: was there any Caucasian rappers trying to mimic you 79? guys? '79, back yeah, back then. No, so they just didn't, no. so they no. didn't touch. They didn't rap. Pop, They never no no. Uh, they, up until what were they were doing it in the, in the privacy of their own. <laughs> So wait, wait. Even in the, in the early '80s, there wasn't one no. guy who tried to. No, it just wasn't like they just. No, it, it was. Like, it was totally. You know, it was us. It was us. Yeah. It was us. It was us. Okay. Yeah. So I have to ask. Um, the stories of the mob getting involved in the record business. That was more so on the label end. Were you? Did you witness anything in which the mob might have had any control over the music business? Of what was about to happen the with mob, the mob was always a part of the music, right? I so, mean, from the doo-wop and all yeah, that. I mean, exactly. mob, but hip hop is so it was so like it was so foreign at the time. But still, they want their hands in it. Any the mob is a, is the the institution of the mob is that anything that makes money they want a part of. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So once they saw that it was generating them kind of numbers, that's when you know they wanted to get involved. Were you ever starstruck by seeing anyone uh, as you were on tour, getting with the parliament, uh, just doing any? Were you ever starstruck to see any star that, let's say, was already established? Wow, that's a good question. Um, you know, I was kind of wide open as a young person, as, a, as an 18, 20 year old guy. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't affected by it because my upbringing, I was around a lot of musicians and, you know, I was around people that did things. So, and I felt like I, you know, I felt like I belonged. So it wasn't like, you know, I was blown away, you know. Uh, 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 so I just kind of took it all in stride. I've always had a pretty good demeanor with that kind yeah. of thing. Was there anyone that you were surprised to meet, like, early on? Like, wow, I'm James actually Brown. In a- James Brown. James, James Brown. Brown. How was that encounter? So if you go back into James Brown's discography, he did a record called Rap Payback. He had a record called Big Pay- the Big Payback. Yeah, the Big Payback. But when the rap thing hit, he did a record called Rap Payback. Oh, and so back in those days, another thing, here we go with the television shows. The only thing that you could see late night was Johnny Carson, right? So right. he went on Johnny Carson and he did this song, Rap Payback. And the first line in that song is, I know you heard of the Master G, but you ain't heard nothing till you heard JB, Rap Payback. <laughs> oh, oh, he about to get a bar. So, so, Don DeMarco. <laughs> so, right. So, because again, it's like Soul Train. When you do Soul Train, everybody in the country saw you on Soul Train. Right. Everybody tuned in at the same time. Same thing with Johnny Carson. Everybody watched Johnny Carson. So right. when he did that, my phone blew up. They're like, yo, you don't understand. James Brown just call, called you in the record. So we went the next day, went to the studio, and, and it was that case. <laughs> the, next, the next day. Not too long after that, he came to Sugar Hill Records, and I spent the day with him. And I walked down like the main street in our town with him, and everybody oh, saw wow. him and me. And I, so that was the only time that I was like blown away by meeting somebody. Oh wow, mm. that's amazing. That's yeah, 
That was a pretty cool night. That was a good day. I remember that day very well. I want to ask about the that other big hit, the Apache song. Dude. Great dude, record. Dude, how did that record come about? Who, so who Apache was just like Rappers Delight, uh, Good Times. Apache was a break, bongo beat. Right. And uh, so we used to spin that record too. And uh, so when we started looking for, because Eighth Wonder is another one of our, our hit records, and that's a break. Daisy Lady, that's that's from a Daisy, it's from Daisy Lady. So the formula was, you know, whatever breaks we were using in the, in the, the parties, now we had a, like a whole musicians, arrangers, and, and the whole nine. So we would say, okay, this is what the, a break. And then they would look at it, analyze it, and then they would create. Now they understand writing the song. You need enough music for a verse. Right. And you need to play music for the hook. Right. So that's how Apache is. That's all been arranged by musicians. Right. So we brought that to them. They arranged it. And then because it was Apache, we was talking about, you know, and then growing up, we watched Long Ranger on television. So, right. You know, so that's where Mike and I came up with the idea about Kimosabi and Tonto and Custard, you know, and all that kind of thing. So Yeah, and not only was the hook, you know, crazy, it was their dance too. They kind of turned. See, now here's the thing about the dance. The dance didn't come out until Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. Wow. So Apache was a Apache was a B, was a mild hit for us when we first cut it. Oh wow. Yeah. The bigger record was Eighth Wonder. Like we, wow. we at one point in our show closed with Eighth Wonder and did Apache way up in the show. Oh wow. So now time passes and Will and, and Carlton do this whole episode where they do the dance. <laughs> it's the thing and, yeah. and they do that dance. Well, from that point on, it put, took the record to another level. Wow. And, it's, and so when you say Sugar Hill Gang to an older person, Apache, they say, yeah, Apache, but if you say Sugar Hill Gang to a young person, they don't know what you're talking about. Mm. But if you say jump on it, they're like, oh, yeah, jump yeah. on it. It's the same record. It's the same record. But the record is eclipsed and blown up so big that it was renamed by a new generation. Same recording, nothing different. No, the only difference is because they heard the jump on it part right. in the television episode, that's what they call it from. Oh, wow. So, and it's a bigger record 40 years later. That's wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, when that, when that happened, what was y'all like? <laughs> y'all? Oh, I was blown away because. Part of the time that the record was blowing up, I wasn't part of the group. So, oh. you know, when I came back and I started performing again, I'm expecting H1 to be the record. I'm expecting Rappers Alike to be the record. We keep hitting this Apache and people are losing their minds. I'm looking around. <laughs> and then they doing the dance. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, and then eventually I found out what was going on. So, and... And Ambassador, this is for you. And again, y'all, both of y'all can touch on this. Um, you know, we got 50 years in, like you said, Curtis Blow, Grandmaster Fast uh, and the Furious Five. Um, there's a lot of things come out of what you guys did. Mm-hmm. What are some acts that uh, you were proud of, uh, Ambassador? And also, gee, what are some acts you were proud of coming after you? Like that you were proud of to say that was out of your area, um, just in the metropolitan area? Houdini. Houdini. Oh yeah, he said, oh, "Quick, I'm gonna tell you quickly, Houdini." I'm gonna tell you right off the rip. Oh my God, Ecstasy, Ecstasy <laughs> is one of the best lyricists, uh, deliverers of content that we've ever had. Um, um, uh, running them, <laughs> yeah, no, no, running them stuff is fire. Did, you didn't feel it was too pop? Like, were you like, <laughs> oh, it's just man, Larry this is... Smith, man, Larry Smith. Go back and listen to some of them tracks, man. Listen to some I, of them I, tracks. I, I, I would say Dougie Fresh. 
Oh, oh yeah, he's oh. Dougie Fresh. You know, he yeah, he, he yeah. yeah. You know, and he even came to Hackensack and rocked the house. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I would also say the Treacherous Three. You know, Kumo so D. Yeah. You know, but then again, they, yeah. those were you can't really say they came from us because again, <laughs> Mo and them was doing it in the city. Yeah. Oh, okay. They were just, already yeah. they just came to Sugar Hill yeah. and recorded, yeah. but they were already doing parties and battling yeah. and all that kind of yeah. stuff long before they came to Sugar Hill. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just curious, you being a founder of rap, who was your top five? Of rappers? Yeah. Uh, Biggie. I really enjoy him. Okay. Um, Melly Mel. I think Melly Mel is one of the greatest lyricists in the history of hip hop. Um, I think that, I don't know he's crazy, but I think Kanye was amazing. Mm. I think he's done some incredible things production-wise and lyric-wise. And another person that I really enjoy is Common. Common's far. Yeah, I think people don't understand how really talented he is. You know, because he's blown up as an actor, right. so people give him more attention for the acting. Right. But his, his skills, man. You know, that, that, that the one he, the joint he did with uh, Mary J. Blige. Yeah. You know, that thing. And uh, He got one of the best disc records of all time, too. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, disc records. So, I, I got a question. What what do you look for in just in rap? Like, what do you look for as far as a lyricist when you're grading? Yeah, I, I look for uh, cleverness with wordplay. I look for delivery. Right. I look for vocal tone. I look for presence in general. Uh, I look for attitude. Yes. Why do you think that the music today isn't sticking? Like you have a hit, like you said, fifty years ago, and it's still they play it right now. It's this club is up. Yeah. Why do you think the music for today isn't sticking like back then? Uh, I think there's just too much to choose from now. Three thousand songs available today. <laughs> Three thousand songs dropped this Friday. <laughs> I mean, how many how many people are gonna put out songs on the internet tonight? Right. The facts. You know, I might go drop a record. Whereas, yeah, exactly. Whereas you know, we put out one record. Right. You know, and so we put a lot of effort and energy into that one record. You know, whereas now people are just you know they're doing it, and it's a different level of acceptance. And that's the other thing. See, the tolerance level for information and material is different from the, when I first started making records. You had to be, you know, you, you had one shot. And if you didn't, if it didn't work, <laughs> yeah, next, go on to the next one. So, you know, we've been chopping it up the last few days. I've been hanging out with my big brother and he said something that was very key. He said, you know, people rap based on their condition. They talk I about their condition. I, I think, um, and tonight I was blessed to hear him perform and it, I didn't real. I mean, hey, he's a lyricist for real. And so, but the, but, but, but the thing about this is, is that Sugar Hill and those songs that still stick today is very uplifting. You know, yes. the music, the current music right now that's selling is really dealing with Percocets, drugs, depression. Yeah, a lot of you know, down. Like you're not happy. You yeah. know, it, it may be t talking to y'all to you because you're going through it. But you know, the era of you know, you start off. They were talking about yeah, the but, things that but, make but, people I mean, happy. I, I, and and I, and I have to intervene. Yes, the thing about it is, I was a suburb kid. Okay. There you go. I was a suburb kid. So I talked about dating girls. I talked about. You know, being being popular. I talked about you know traveling the world. Right. You know, we talked about this. You know, now you take this suburb 
<laughs> lyricist situation, and you go to South Central LA, yeah, where people are getting shot at and people can't feed themselves, and you know it's drama. And so you want to talk about what you know, yeah. So and so now, okay, now roll the script up to now. The world is a crazier place than it was when I started making records fifty years ago. So very now, much so. Kid, if I'm a kid, I'm not. Even even in the suburbs, they got drama. They got people no. dying <laughs> from oxycodone and yeah. know, all these other different things. And, and you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's another reason why it's it's very toxic now because it's a, we're living in a toxic world. What happened with the young kid Nichols? You know, yeah, Tyree Nichols. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know that kind of brutality. That wasn't a commonplace situation when I was a kid. That's true. I mean, maybe it was happening and you didn't know it. But it wasn't happening in my neighborhood. It it was happening, but then you have to look at too. So from Sugar Hill, then and even during Sugar Hill, um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, they talked about the social condition of the hood, but they gave you hope in the song. Then you move it up to the 90s, you got Tupac talking about the social situations, gang banging, violence, but even in his songs, there's hope in the song. But now, it's just, there's no hope. It's just strictly, this is bad. I mean, come, on, come on home. Yeah. But, but, but see, here's the thing, and this is why I want people to understand, because I don't want to seem like the bitter old rapper, you know what I mean? I do believe that there is hope. I just think that it needs to be put into play. Yes. So for this for both of y'all, what do y'all feel about the consumption of music? And did y'all expect it to get to this point? So mind you, you started on 12-inch vinyl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 8-inch, 8-track, tape, CDs, streaming. Did y'all see? I mean, for, like, be honest. No. Did you see the cloud? No. Being a cons- like the, the music I, is in the I, cloud. I, I thought CDs were space age. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> for real. It was metal and you know whatever shiny. Yeah, shiny. And, and then coming, you know, and then we had the little box and you could walk around with it. it was, that was MP3. Yeah. What is that? So, yeah. so I remember um, they were saying like even in music contracts they didn't account for streaming like the older artists and because stuff like that. It was not even on the radio. It wasn't even on the radio. No. Yeah, it wasn't even a thought. Yeah, so, so that's another reason why they had to go back and re right. figure it out. Yeah. So are are is your are your records streaming now? Like can people pull it up on Apple yeah, Music absolutely. and stuff? Okay. Yeah, yeah, my thing is on all platforms: uh, Spotify, <laughs> Pandora, uh, any streaming. Yeah, everything. Yeah, that's what. And you you and re- I do get paid. And I do get paid. And I do get. And y'all, y'all actually redid the tour based on the name Rappers Delight. And oh yeah. So we at one point we could only tour as Rappers Delight. Exactly. Oh, right. We couldn't. We couldn't tour as Sugar Hill Gang. Which is so, crazy. Which is crazy. Right. But uh, so in order to continue to work, we attempted to tour as Rappers Delight, which was very uh, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> With that touring, would you say um, your bigger success has been overseas or in America? So initially, yeah, when we when I came back to put this version of Sugar Hill Gang together with Mike, in order for us to uh, be able to work, we had a bigger draw in you know France and Germany and Switzerland and Sweden and you know Poland and all these different countries. Wow. Yeah, so we spent from like two thousand six to two thousand. 12 or so, we spent most of our time in Europe. Man, it's amazing. Um, When you look at a situation like today's day and age, we have uh, Drake. He's a big big time selling artist. Absolutely. And he himself had the ghostwriting 
past or history. Right. Um, what do you look at the music business now? Do you feel it's more of um, back in your day was you? I'm a lyricist. I can rap. I'm gonna write these songs going there. But now you have uh, like a lot of credits go to making a popular song now. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts as far as on today's music business? Because of the competition. See? You you see you got to you know there's only but so much you can do to compete with. 10 million people making songs. Nah, for real. As opposed to three groups. Yeah. I'm competing with Melly Mel and Curtis Blow. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to come up with something. Yeah. That's some stiff competition too, though. And it's stiff competition, but it's just yeah. Melly Mel and Curtis Blow. Yeah, right. So I'm going to come up with something. Right. But when you're competing with millions and millions and millions of people writing songs, especially if you are already a money juggernaut type of situation, you got to get it together. Mm. And... That's not unusual for people to write for artists anyway. Right. Dion Wolf didn't write any songs. Right. You know, I mean, we go on and Elvis didn't write his songs. Right. You know, I mean, the list goes on about people who didn't write their songs. Now, you know, whenever I look at a versus, right, um, you know, the Triller thing, yeah. you always get kind of um, shocked by some of the things that you didn't know the artist did. Right. Um, are there any things that somebody would be shocked to say that Master G did, uh, whether it be writing uh, producing is there something that you did that most people would like not know? No, like just in general in your whole catalog, is there something maybe you wrote written for somebody that we wouldn't oh. know or produced or? I, I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote some movie soundtracks. Oh wow! Yeah, I wrote some movie soundtracks. I wrote some movie soundtracks for some movies that uh, some independent films. I did. A, I wrote the movie soundtrack. I did some raps for another film called Rapping with uh, Mario Van Peebles. Uh, so I, I've done. I've written. I've written for movies. I've written for movies. I've done some. Stuff for commercials, that kind of thing. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. And um, I know you said that you try to get into the acting and mm -hmm. all that. Did you ever actually jump out there and get in a movie, or did you? Did you ever so the funny thing was, I was ahead of the curve. <laughs> so of course, later on, you know, uh, they gave roles to act to rappers, and I was actually doing it the old traditional way. I was going on auditions as Guy O'Brien. I wasn't telling people who I was, you know, and I was working to get. Uh, you know, jobs because I wanted to, again, me being the thought process, I was like, I'm going to get my own career completely standalone from music and I'm going to have the music career and I'm going to have an acting career. Right. Uh, uh, so it didn't really pan out. And then, you know, frustration brought in another situation and I had to roll that. <laughs> now, you you connected with the Robinsons, what, their, their niece? <laughs> wow, you did your homework. I'm just saying. <laughs> Was was that just be based on proximity, or was that something that just in the music industry? Well, I, she was out of my league when I was we were in high school. Oh, she was totally out. Of <laughs> she my was league. one of those. I had no, you know, I, I, you know, my mother was, you know, we were, you know, and she was gorgeous, a beautiful woman, and um, she was with the guy that had the car. I didn't yeah. have a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was riding a bike. You know what I mean? Hey, make a flex. <laughs> yeah, you know. Fourteen years old. So when I first met her, she was totally out of my league. And she used right. to go with this guy, and he had a, 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 a what was that damn car? Tornado. You know? Ooh, oh, he's green right. Tornado. She used to ride down the street with a mini car. I'd be walking. Right? <laughs> One day. So once I became famous, yeah, so. <laughs> you know, now all the girls in the world, <laughs> it get a lot easier. <laughs> You're hot though. <laughs> Walking around with a shirt off. I'm a, yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm a teenage top rock. Yeah, and she knew. Yeah, you know. So, lit. Yeah, so uh, the, the short story is, uh, she ended up coming to a gig that we did in Venezuela. Right. And uh, 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 while we were getting ready, she asked me to kind of walk with her, and 
you know, we, one thing led to another conversation happened. So now that woman is actually my oldest son's mother. Oh, wow. That's an amazing story. And, and the, the, the other side of that is when you listen to Rapper's Delight, there's right. a rap in Rapper's Delight. It's uh, 12 o'clock on a Friday night. I was rocking to the beat, feeling all right. Everybody's dancing on the floor, doing all the things that they ever did before. Then this fly, fly girl with a sexy lean came into the party, came into the scene. as she traveled <laughs> deep inside the room. All the fellas checked out her wife's ass soon. That was about her. Come on now. Come on now. And I know you had to flex that, hey? Rough for you. She did not know it was about her till about five years ago. Oh, that's oh, crazy. Wow. Oh, wow. How did she find out? Uh, we were at an event. Oh, okay. And yeah. I do this whole thing with that rap. So I do this whole acapella. I bet I did it tonight. <laughs> yeah. So I do this whole thing, acapella, and I do the rap, and I did the rap at the party, and everybody went crazy. And so she's like, oh, my God. I said, you know that rap's about you. She said, what are you talking about? Oh my God. Listen. <laughs> so I said, I went back and I said, remember the Dale's Dance Studio mm. in Hackensack, New Jersey? Yeah. Dale's Dance Studio, I was on the mic. I said, you remember the time you came in, you had the white sassoon, you came up to the table and you waved and you, sh- you said hi and you turned around and walked away. She said, yeah, there you go. <laughs> wow, that's she late. Said, oh, wow. That's wow. Amazing. Yeah, so that's a, that's a true story that happened. Wow. Oh, he over there, heartbreaker. <laughs> wow. yeah. Now, I, now I want your honest opinion. If you were, you know, at the time when you were making all that uh, the music and y'all yes. sold fourteen million, and you had got a ton of money, do you think you're hungry for an asshole? <laughs> uh, we talked about that. Yeah. yeah. No, the universe doesn't make mistakes. Okay. I wasn't ready to be wealthy and successful. I, I was too I had too much going on. Right. So I had to go on this journey to develop the kind of character that I needed to be able to deal. With this, because it's unnatural to get all these accolades, people bowing, and you know, you're a legend, and oh my God, this that it's, that's that's so unnatural, right. and it can tend you can start believing your own lie, you know. And I, I've been fortunate enough to live enough life to I take it all in stride because at the end of the day, I still got to live life. Yeah, no, to go from just working on a corner to right. Yeah, you, I, was, you people, know, I was working at a grocery store to be yeah. the hottest teenager in the world. Right, they're passing out, they're, they're thriving, right. they're screaming. Yeah, it's not the same, man. You, 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 I would have been an asshole. Did you so, ever go back to that grocery store? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I passed there. I, I just was passed there, you know, not too long. Oh, it's still around? Yeah, it's still oh, there, yeah, but uh-huh. he's not there. Yeah. But the building is yeah. still there. And yeah. it's, I go by yeah. there all the time. Amazing. So, so what are you guys doing? Okay. I was going to say on that note. Yes. Yeah. Hackensack, New Jersey. Yes. Um. Master G, Guy O'Brien, Hackensack legend, legend, you know, hip-hop legend, hip-hop legend, you know, um, ha- has went back to Hackensack. Yeah. And um, has great things and plans for Hackensack. So, so the know. thing is, I want to give back to what gave to me the ability. So I have a thing that we're going to do in Hackensack. We're going to just call it the Block. So what we want to do is we want to go into neighborhoods like the neighborhoods that, you know, the ambassador came out of. And we want to go in and revamp a lot of those homes because that is an area that's totally been missed. Like there's a serious amount of, you know, redoing and building in Hackensack, for example. Right. It's cities of America like that. You know, right. the, the, the people are going in and taking over, you know, old townhouses. And, but they're giving those townhouses and they're putting those townhouses out for the wealthy. You know, there are so many needy families that need they need to have an environment that they can feel comfortable and understand that they can live well, too. So we're going to go in and we're going to do that. We're going to redo. Homes. We're going to give people opportunities to live well, you know, because when you know better, you do better. But if you can't get an opportunity, you know, you can't expect things to be done. 
So Definitely. we're going to give people an opportunity to see what it's like to live good. So let's do like I want y'all to explain as far as um, you know on top of that uh, what you guys are doing currently right now. I know you're actually still touring. Absolutely. Uh, right now, you actually just rocked the show literally. just now. Nelly, yes. Nelly literally brought him out and yeah. did, you know, and yeah. shout out Nelly. Yeah, shout out um, Nelly. Yeah, we just yeah. finished. Uh, yeah, and I just had my first time actually meeting him, which was nice. Was Amazing. Nice. Did he pay homage? Did he? Yeah, he was okay. Very, he was just make respectful. He was very nice. Yeah, just making sure. Just making sure. A lot of weed, but he was very. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> he talked to. Him. Shout out. Shout out <laughs> yeah, the, the, the drug game. Contact. The drug game is very different yeah, now than what yeah, it was back oh, then. Yeah, <laughs> um. So yeah, Ambassador, I definitely want you to speak on what you have going on as far as what in, anything you got coming up, and then of course I'll leave it with you, G. As far as uh, any outside of that, what else you have going Absolutely. on as well? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm here sitting on the couch with my big brother because I'm, I'm here to partner with him and his initiatives in Hackensack, New Jersey. And, um, and so, and, and help bring um, people on board and resources. And, uh, and I'm very happy about that. I'm also linked up with my big brother. I think that um, he's very humble. Uh, but in this 50th year of anniversary of hip hop, you know, we have a, a legend, undeniable, alive, a living legend. Right here. And so. Looking when, good. Yes, sir. Yeah. Looking, yeah. looking looking really good, good you know. And so um, when I heard that Nelly was on the show with our brother, you know, and Nelly being from St. Louis and my son Ezekiel Elliott from St. Louis. And I've spent a, a large part of my adult life in St. Louis. Um, I wanted to go talk to him and um, let him know that the legend was in the building. And as younger men, you know, um, I didn't wasn't preaching to him, but I was just so excited to just be like, hey, look, let's show homage to a legend. We need to connect these dots because we have the originator of Generation X. We have Nelly. Up represent Generation X. Then we got Generation Y. These young rappers running around here, they don't even know why they were born. With that being said, mm. so one of the things that I'm very passionate about is my newest business, mm. Adonis Entertainment Group. So what we're doing is we're working to develop young artists. We're working to do projects. We're working to uh, talk to producers. So if you're a producer, if you're a, a, a rapper, if you want to even get an opportunity to make something happen, come see us, man. We're, we're, we're based out of New York. We're looking to do some really cool things. We got a wonderful uh, uh, setup out there where we can record, we can do the video, we can we can uh, do a photo shoot. Uh, so yes, so that's another thing that we're into. And um, then, like you said, you know, I have uh, Sugar Hill Gang is uh, more popular and more busy, uh, you know, uh, than ever before. We're going to be in in Canada. We're going to be in uh, Puerto Rico. We're going to be in Puerto Riata. We're going to be across the United States. <laughs> nostalgia is a thing. Like yeah. nostalgia is so big right Corporate now. Events. We do halftime shows. I've done the Saints. I just did. We just did uh, the Saints and the Seahawks in, at the Superdome. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, we just did. A, I just did an event the other night, uh, the night for the 76ers. Amazing. Foundation. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're thankful, man. We're grateful and we're thankful. And we appreciate you guys. Wait, and real quick, I can't let you out. I can't let you off the hook, goddamn Stacy. I can't let you off the hook. I gotta ask. How disappointed were you in the Cowboys exit in the second Whoa. round? I haven't even asked him that question. I plead the fifth on that. <laughs> okay, okay. But I will say this. We are doing exploring the world with the ambassador. <laughs> no, yes, yes. 
Exploring the world with the ambassador. Very big, very moment. Exploring momentous. the world with the ambassador. And this is a, just a sample of what you're going to get there when you, know. you explore the world with yours truly, the there ambassador, a.k.a. Stacey Elliott. There you go. And, um, and uh, it'll, it's going to motivate you. It's going to educate you. Yes. It's going to inspire you. And that's what the show is about. And I'm so happy that Real Life Street Star Production yes. is behind this. Oh, definitely. With definitely. exploring the world with their back. It's going to be exciting because what you're about to do is amazing. And I definitely thank you guys. Thank Again, you. this is thank a mom you. momentous Appreciate situation right here, man. Glad we can do it. Master G, the M A S, the T R, the G oh, to the double E. Master G and uh, Ambassador Stacey Elliott. You are some real life street stars. We salute, man. Thank you. Appreciate yes, it. Thank you. Shout out real life street stars, nigga. Moon. Hey.